0: Happy Thursday, everybody! Welcome to the Unseminary podcast. Today's episode is fantastic. It's with Brent Ingersoll, who actually I was introduced to by today's sponsor, Carrie Newhoff. Uh, I found Brent actually through an engagement with Carrie, and you're going to be just so blessed and encouraged by today's conversation. Lean in. Uh, today's sponsor, like I said, Carrie Newhoff. Surrounding yourself with other high capacity leaders is more important now than ever before. When you're well connected. Uh, You can put meeting to the content and make well-informed decisions. It can push your ministry forward. In March 2020, (laughs) Carrie Newhoff launched a brand new aspect of his ministry of offering to to leaders called the leaders circle it's an inner circle of high capacity leaders who have direct access to him and to one another over the last few months this tribe of high capacity leaders have navigated the transition to becoming a digital organization managing a remote team the complexities of reopening and advancing their mission through uncertainty all in this incredible dialogue Q&A experience that's the heart of leaders circle now here is the deal The Leaders Circle gives you access to carry and a group of high-capacity leaders through live monthly Q&As and a private Slack group. On top of that, each month, the group focuses on one carefully sculpted piece of content, to help you and your team work through struggles that every organization faces, this is really amazing. This is the season that you should be picking up for this. Now, this is closed to the public, but Kerry is offering a limited number of spots to as an exclusive offer to Unseminary listeners like you. So, this is what I want you to do. I want you to text Rich, my name R I C H. Let him know I sent you Rich to three three seven 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 for more information. Again, that's Rich. 233777 for more information you are going to want to find out about leader circle all right let's join in with today's conversation let's go
1: Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. You know, here on Unseminary, we try to bring you Uh, just incredible church leaders for you to learn from. And today I'm really excited to share this story and this leader with you. Brent Ingersoll is a senior pastor of a church called King's Church. Uh, This church is in Canada, my home and native land. Uh, It's one of the fastest growing churches in Canada. And I know you might be listening in and say that's like being a big deal on a Mexican radio, Uh, but it's a really big deal. Canada is not the kind of place that churches grow. And even more Pointedly, uh, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, where King's has uh, multiple uh, campuses in, uh, is is tough land. Uh, hopefully I can say that. I, I, I don't want to disparage your homeland, Brent. Oh. Uh, but This is not the kind of place that a church of multiple thousands of people uh, happens. And so this is a unique story you're going to want to lean in today. Uh, Pastor Brent, welcome to the show today.
2: Thanks, Rich. I am honored to be here. I am a listener. So it's exciting to be honest.
0: It's exciting to be here. No, I'm so glad to have you on. I, it was great to spend. Uh, it's so funny. I was. I think that was in January. I was. I was, was at a King's
2: long time ago, wasn't that?
0: Which it feels like years oh, ago. Land. Were we doing the same thing? Were we working on church at that time? This- <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's great to spend some time together, Brent. Why don't we start with uh, you telling us a little bit about kind of the King's story and then your story specifically? Kind of give us the overarching story and then tell us how you intersect with the church.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's uh it's a great. God's story, uh, this church was planted in a suburb outside of St. John, New Brunswick about 30, 38 years ago now. Um, just a group of people had a dream for like a new development and they came out here, they planted. Church had a, had a great uh, history up till about uh, 2000, year 2000 or so. My uncle had led it. Um, he moved on, a new pastor came. I was on staff at the time. Um, and then uh, it kind of had hit a plateau, went through some, you know, the classic sort of stuck stuff, uh, worship wars and all the, the stuff that so many church leaders can identify with. And then um, kind of a tragedy crisis struck our church in 2012. Uh, when the senior pastor, there was just a, there was a, mor- a moral failure, really sad story. The good news is on that, cause I don't want to miss this. There's been a great redemption mm-hmm. and healing story, even with our former senior pastor. And so God's even gotten the glory out of that. Um, but, uh, my story kind of branches off right on the heels of that. I was 29 at the time. I was, uh, the church is about five, 600 people, which even at the time, then Atlantic Canada, that was still, I think mm-hmm. the second or third largest church um, there was only one church that was just around a thousand little more at the time, uh, so you know it was. Uh, we were already a bit of an outlier, but uh, we were about five, six hundred people at the time. Uh, that happened, and as you can imagine, I mean, that's just uh, as if there's any leaders that have gone through that or been at a church that's gone through that. It's a pretty devastating thing. Um, when you know one of the key sort of building blocks of trust and authority goes down like that, everything sort of just Starts moving, and uh, mm. you know, so I ended up being the next senior person on staff. I was twenty nine; I was the youngest, but I'd been there the longest, so right. I'd done the most different things. And I was already effectively an associate pastor at the time. I was basically mm-hmm. uh, a premature executive pastor. We weren't quite mm. at the stage or or scale to have an XP, but I was sort of running the ministry operations and that kind of thing. So. The idea was, I'll hold it down uh, in the interim while the, our, our board, our elder team, they start the the uh, search process. And it turned out that in that season, uh, that was a fall, It's like August, September, October, November, just this sort of recycling of our church. A bunch of people left and a bunch of people came and there was just this, you know, um th- this move of the spirit of god really in our midst and there was just a, a kingdom momentum that came through that season where really i would describe that as a almost a restart for our church we really became a different people even even Physiologically, like a bunch of the people that that were part of it, a lot of it left, and a lot of new blood came in, and and it just became this new thing. And so that was kind of the the beginning of my ministry. That's been that's been eight years now, which is just crazy to think. It feels like it's been an, another eight years in the last three months, but we'll we'll get, we'll get to that. But um, yeah, the story's just been a you know a a real God story ever since. We've just continued to have. Uh, big faith for this region. I feel really called to this region, as does my team, and and we love it here. This is our home. Yeah, it, it is hard. It is hard soil. Um, I would say it's it's post Christian uh, as far as you know people's general understanding and connection to the church to God. Um, but it's not uh it's not progressive like other post Christian places are, like in the in the West, like on the, on the Pacific Coast stuff. It's more, um, it's, it's more like people don't care. They just, there's just a complete neutrality. It's very marginal here. So we still have the same thing where people don't get up and there's cultural Christianity and they come to church. We've got to get out there and reach people, but, uh, it's a very unique, it's a very unique mission field, but we have seen, uh, I don't, I don't even know. I should know these numbers off the top of my head. But we, we've, we've baptized 700 people or so in the last, uh, wow seven years. And even this past fall, we did uh, in seven weeks, we baptized 152 people last fall, which was just really exciting. So, you know, it's exciting to see, and we keep seeing just new Christians, people coming to faith in the gospel. And, you know, as a church kid, I was, I grew up as a church kid, you know, you don't take the gospel for granted, but sometimes you just, you forget. Uh, that feeling when you accept Christ and you, when you see it all the time, it's so motivating and, uh, we really are, we, you know, we're not perfect and we were trying to figure things out, but we are, uh, we have been fruitful and we've reached a lot of people and a lot of stories have been changed. Um, we had a big celebrate recovery ministry here too, just really trying to tackle, Mm -hmm. uh, addiction and habits, hurts and hangups. And so that's been a really fruitful thing, uh, for us as well. And then we went multi-site, uh, Mm Four or five years ago, and we did, we had a vision to reach the the Atlantic Canadian region. So we're not just in New Brunswick; uh, we're also in Nova Scotia, and we we're we on the ground in PEI as well. So um, we're in uh, three provinces now. So that's it's very it's fun and exciting. So that's kind of the the fast forward version of our of our story. Um, yeah. So just God, God that. Is good, and He's really blessed this ministry. There's no other way around it.
0: Well, there's, as you can hear, uh, listeners, there's so much for us to talk about. So many kind of interesting twists and turns and parts of this story. Um, you know, I, I love that how you describe, and obviously, it makes sense. You you describe your community well. That idea of it's post Christian but not necessarily progressive. We often think of post Christian communities as as being then maybe you know politically liberal or um, you know some you know something like that. And so it's interesting uh, again for folks that are listening in. I know I've said this before, uh, but you know, particularly most of the people listening to this podcast are are American church leaders, and you mm-hmm. know, like ninety eight percent. And so, in some ways, I think leaders, you're listening to the future. You may look at yourself and say, "No, you know, our our community is conservative, uh, and it's hard to imagine what post Christian, you know, conservative church." Or in a community, trying to reach people in that kind of world would look like. Well, you know, Brent's church is doing this in Spades and doing this incredible job. Um, there's a lot we could dig into this idea of you know, first of all, at 29, stepping in, leading a significant ministry, and then not just leading that, but then seeing it grow and thrive mm-hmm. to the point where you're, you know, uh, you know, baptizing so many people and you know, launching campuses. This idea of leading young, and in a in a church that had experienced some tough seasons, mm-hmm. um, I'd love to start there. Uh, give us a sense of of that season. Uh, what did you learn through that? What were some lessons that you learned in uh, you know that season that you've taken with you into the rest of your your leadership?
2: Well, I, I don't want to lose people and them to think this is just my default answer because I want to sound spiritual. But uh, <laughs> legitimately, I learned how to pray. I learned how yeah. to how to try to seek the Lord and to to partner with the Holy Spirit. Like it's just been a huge piece of my life. And there was a you know maybe some other day if we have more time. I I would tell you like just how God renewed my life in that season. It wasn't just our church, but He got a hold of me in a way that He never had before. And so that was a huge piece, just like the realization. And honestly, if I look at the, you know, the, the season of time from, you know, August 2012 till probably July, uh, 2013, that was a time of personal renewal and where God really showed me the connection between the state of my own soul and the state of my leadership and how, you mm-hmm. know, the state of my soul is really the state of my leadership. And you can, you can sort of cheat for a little while. You can project an image, you can put on a strong face, but eventually if you, you Man, if you don't have inter- a certain level of internal health, it's just going to start coming out. Like um, mm. and that was a big piece for me, a big learning just on how to shepherd myself uh, before I shepherd this community. And so that, that was mm. a huge thing. And, I, I, and probably the biggest thing out of that time. The other piece, though, would be from a leadership standpoint, would be this just this idea of, you know, when you're in crisis. And when you're young, leading in crisis, you kind of have a double whammy there because your people don't only have uncertainty about the future; they have uncertainty about you because, (laughs) like everything's everything's already up in the air and uncertain. And then you have this unproven young person, uh, you know, that's kind of at the helm. Like, are we okay? Are you okay? Can you do this? And so, you know, during that season, I really, I think. It's interesting. I look back on that time, and again, going back to just the 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 presence of God in my life. I look at myself. I see some of the decisions I made, um, almost intuitively. That I just Hmm. it just shows. I think that God just really helped me in that season. Just stuff that I I, that was courageous, or stuff that I didn't maybe realize the full weight of what I was doing, even at the time, is maybe a little too dumb to know, which was helpful. Um, You know, it's just some of that stuff, but. You know, the big thing I, I learned through there that I leaned on was just like uh, trying to manage the economy of my own influence with others mm. and, and become self-aware of what change I had in my pocket. And the reality was early on, there was very little. And so I, I had to learn how to borrow or how to how to bring allies along with me that do have change like that do have influence that if i don't if i convince this influential person in the church to kind of to believe in me or come beside me one of the things i did as well was early on when i became senior pastor i went and hired like a, a well-known atlantic canadian kind of he'd been sort of in his retirement you know, season, he'd, he'd grown one of the most successful churches in Atlantic Canada, well-respected, you know, just the guy walked on water. So I went and hired him. It's like, I need, I need your credibility with me. So, right. you know, cause I didn't have it. So, mm-hmm. but he would vouch for me that, that filled my influence, you know, bank account with my people through him so it was was surrounding myself with people who did have influence and realizing just started to manage that economy borrowing influence um always really just leaning hard into hiding behind the word of god like even in preaching and stuff you know when you're 29 you can't get up and start waxing eloquent about all your life experience people see through that like you 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 have hardly even learned anything you haven't been through stuff so i i just went pretty hard on bible preaching you know I, I'm a little older now. I've got three kids and I've experienced some things. So maybe I'll talk a little bit more about my life experience now than I did then. I have more change in my pocket now than I did then. But mm-hmm. early on, managing my influence—it just—it was really trying to find credibility and authority is such an important thing. And so, you know, finding those allies and leaning on the authority of the word is, was huge for me.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. I think for young leaders who are listening in and saying um you know they're trying to to kind of lead up and lead you know in an organization and um you know to find a way like you say to find some allies to find Uh, some folks a little farther down the road uh, to help them uh, as they lead. That doesn't discredit their leadership or take anything away. In fact, it just shows more wisdom. Um, And then really that idea of personal renewal preceding church health. I think that is such a good word, you know, and uh, particularly, you know, people who are sitting in that senior pastor or, you know, influential executive pastor seat, man, your own, it's got to work inside of us, right? It's that you got to eat your own dog food. If this, if the gospel isn't changing us, um, man, we're gonna have a pretty thin church pretty quickly, so yeah. My
2: mentor um, Kevin Myers at 12 Stone, I think you're I think you know mm-hmm. Dan Ryland, but no, absolutely, he, you know, yeah. He always says, you, you have to smoke what you're selling, you know. Yes, <laughs> Which yes I know. exactly. I don't know if that's the right language you want in all settings, <laughs> but you know, yes.
0: in Canada, that can mean something very different, it you really know. Smoking <laughs> Exactly. That's great. Um, now, when we think about this current season, we were talking off air just about, you know, this whole reopening season that we find ourselves in, you know, mm. a, across North America. It's obviously at various levels. I'd love to hear kind of what you're thinking about. How is Kings wrestling through this? Your um You know, a multi-site church. You've got locations that you own. You've got, uh, you know, you've got school locations. You've got a vibrant kids ministry. You know, in a lot of ways, you are, um, you know, you're just a fantastic church. What what questions are you asking? We'll put it that way. Won't pin you down to anything. What questions are you asking about reopening in this phase?
2: Oh man. Well, probably the same questions that everybody else is asking. And 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 being really honest, honestly, with my my core leaders and stuff about how, like, look, there's no, there's no, we're off the grid here. There's no, there's no silver bullets and there's no manual and there's no, you know, what did so-and-so do the, the last time there was a Corona crisis from a, mega, for a church. <laughs> right. We don't have anything like that. So, you know, being very authentic and honest has been huge, even just with, with our leaders, just being really uh, transparent about, Hey, you know, saying those three words that a lot of us leaders have a hard time saying, I don't know um, mm-hmm. has been, has been, you know, at least at some point settling in the sense that he's taking down some pretense. And cause the reality is if you act like you had got it all figured out, I, I think everyone's going to be seeing through
0: that. Um, yes. But, I keep saying to people, the people who speak with, um, absolutes in this season, those are the people, you know, for sure they don't know exactly you know, those, right. those yeah. people that are, are speaking in absolutes. Yeah. Don't, don't pay attention to them. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess there's some things that
2: we're thinking about, you know, the, the the grand scheme questions we're asking is what is God doing and mm. and, and how do we come in alignment with that? You know, as soon as this started happening, I called our church every day since the Corona crisis has started. We, we have one of our pastors goes on Facebook Live at 1228 and we took that time out of uh, Hebrews 1228. That's like, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that whole idea that God's kingdom isn't shaking in this. Maybe some of the forms of our church is maybe some of the the models that we've built, maybe some of the dreams that we even had are shaking and falling to the wayside but but the kingdom of God is advancing, and he is and will use this season unto those ends and so the biggest question we've been asking is what is God doing in this how are we seeing God moving you know and, and again that's that's still been a tricky question because and I don't totally know the answer to that either, but that's been the big sort of question mark has been it, the guiding question is how, how do we see God moving? And, you know, we've zo- we zoomed in a little bit. We get talking about how our church is functioning and how we're forming ourselves for the future. We very much feel like um, this is more than just a little blip on the radar screen and we'll, we'll be back to yeah, business true. as usual. We think this is reformative, like transformative. And we've been throwing language around, like those of us, you know, I'm, I'm 37 years old. I've got three kids in elementary, you know, a couple in elementary, one in kindergarten. And, you know, we're, we're, we're throwing language around, like, um, what, what decisions can we make today that take, that take into account our kids and grandkids church experience? You know, like, mm, I know th- that's good. I think the, the foundational, some of the foundations, some things that have just been, you know uh trademark church stuff for Mm -hmm. like decades anyway is is literally paused and you know although it's unsettling and painful and frustrating all those things are true it really is an opportunity as well though like there is crisis is a gift and i can Mm -hmm. i can testify to that because my leadership was born in it and i was able in the first year because of the crisis because of the, the devastation that the that this what happened with our pastor and the questions that all came with that and the uncertainty, you know, you have the trauma that's that that you now are able to utilize to mobilize people onto a common vision. And that's that's the big fight, you know, that's why you know, guys like yourself and that 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 write great resources to try to help church leaders manage change one of the first things is you know like the the old adage like until the pain of staying the the same is greater than the pain of change change isn't going to happen well these crisis times are painful enough that we're all like okay what do we do let's move and right so we're we're seeing it as a as a real opportunity to reform and then we're just Mm. we're we're kind of doing the same thing that in a different way but the same thing that i did Back when I took over in 2012, it was really, you know, to the best of my ability, go back to the Bible, look at the blueprint, try to get just the foundational stuff and start building back up from there. And so for us, you know, we've been looking at the, at the book of Acts and I know that gets thrown around and a lot of pastors have had more than one email about the early church and it being the, you know, the gold standard, but they clearly didn't read Corinthians. Um, But uh, you know, we're, we're asking, you know, what, what do we see expressed early on in the church and, and how do mm. we do the rhythms that God really wants to kind of be non-negotiables and what things can take different shape at different times. and So we're, we're, we're messing around with some stuff, you know, and um, in, in how we're going to arrange ourselves moving forward. Because we really don't know, you know, as of the time of this recording, we really don't know how long it's going to be before, you know, hundreds of people can gather in a room. It's, it could right. be a very long
0: time. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's an interesting um it's an interesting time we find ourselves in and, and the the thing around I think one of the big changes that is coming down the pipe, and I would love for you to comment on this, is I think one of the changes just practically that's gonna happen is um, we're going to find ourselves in multiple modalities. We're going to find multiple yes. channels in the way we deliver church to people, deliver that experience to people, and not to be too perfunctory, but i 100%. you know, I, I think we jumped from we were primarily doing big rooms cram people into that and then we jumped from that to basically all online. I don't think the answer is oh we're going to jump back to big rooms. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be some version of online and I think there's ju- leaders just now here we are middle of June who are coming to that realization, oh my goodness, the next transition is a lot harder than the transition we just went through. The one we went through is pretty easy. We went from all we went from all in person to all online. Now we're going to go into some version of still online, still in campuses, you know, maybe house church stuff, you know, maybe, you know, mul- all other multiple iterations. How does that strike you? What are you thinking on that front?
2: Totally agree. And and we've been saying that, you know, we, we've been using language here, like round one, phase one was easy. We, we were already equipped. We fortunately had invested in the infrastructure to do digital church in advance. You know, we ducked that one. Boom, we we're up and running that, yeah. you know, by the grace of God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Um mm-hmm. but this this second iteration this season, however long this is, ninety days, uh six months, you know, the our our provincial leaders here in Atlantic region are, are using language like, you know, twelve to twenty-four months kind of stuff, unless there's a vaccine. Right. So, you know, we're we're looking at the long haul with some of th- with this iteration. And so, you know, we're 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 thinking ab- about it similar to how, you know, probably a lot of businesses need to be um in the sense of we, we need to sort of Diversify and specify. You know how we're doing, how we're kind of organizing ourselves, and you know, if I could use this this crude analogy, I think in the past most churches, especially larger churches, and I would say pretty much every church, except for maybe you know your your standard sort of little small little house church model. Most churches viewed Sunday as kind of the big box store. It was Costco. You Mm -hmm. you come in, you know what, bring your unsaved friends because pastor is going to teach them about the gospel and call them to the altar. And we're going to train up and equip leaders and you can volunteer and serve and you can be in community and you can get your kids discipled. It's like your one-stop Walmart shop was Sunday. And it's like, yep. with that pulled away, it really has caused us. It's like that Warren Buffett, uh, the Warren Buffett quote. It's like when the tide goes out, you see who is swimming without shorts. You know, yes, like, yes. It, it, this has caused us to say, "What? Oh, what is it actually that we're doing? You know, and mm-hmm. and how are we utilizing the time and the resource and the influence and the giftedness that God has given us to do what God really has in mind? And that is to to grow the kingdom of God." You know, for us in Atlantic Canada as it is in heaven, to reach people, to make people like Jesus. And and maybe this is a time that we, you know, we just bring a little more balance back into the goal. And and I'll be the first to admit, as a driven leader who who cares about the numbers, who cares about our story, um, you know, it it gets very easy to make my focus, how many people go to the church on the weekend? And 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 we know we can't, we don't have that luxury right now. And I think it's a healthy thing to kind of pull back and say, you know what, maybe just because we have X amount of people that attend services on the weekend, that's not a sufficient metric of what real health is. And now I think Mm -hmm. instead of one giant checkmark we want to hit every week, maybe we're kind of going to sort of bring that down into multiple sort of checkmarks on the dashboard where we think, okay you know, how are, how many people are in actual Christian community? Cause we're missing that right now. Um, people, people aren't missing seeing me. They see me every week. What they're missing is, is, is one another. They're missing experiencing Christ together. So we're just asking those questions. If if we're going to sort of unpack the way that we are trying to utilize Sunday. And again, I don't want people to think we only did Sunday. We have all kinds of stuff here. We're, you know, we, we have all kinds of ministries and stuff like that, but it very much was the focal point where now i wonder if there's going to be maybe a leveling uh of the of the playing field for a while it's going to force churches to actually deal with real biblical health we need community right. yes we need that temple expression where we get where the mass gathers around the assembly and there's worship going up to god and the word coming from god that's going to be part of it but people need you know they need personal discipleship they need they need all There's so much more, I think, um, mm-hmm. that God wants to express in Christian living. And I think we have an opportunity to explore some of that right now.
0: Yeah. I, the, one of the things you said there that really resonated with me is... You know, I I think all of our churches, again, if if we're being honest, we put a lot of weight on the weekend. The weekend is a huge part of what we do. For years, we've been saying, hey, we need to be uh, thinking about engagement, not just number growth, right? We've been saying like, hey, it's not just about church growth, it's about engagement. And one of the things that I think this season is forcing us to do is to ask what is actually engagement look like? Right. How, how, what does right. that look like in our in, in a really good, healthy way? I think that could actually be a part of the story that God's writing, is He's like, okay, we're going to shut that down for a little bit. I agree. So now, so now you have to think about, okay, how, what does it mean to actually see people take steps closer to Jesus, and right. and how do we kind of align our systems to make that happen? Yeah, like what type of engagement? Like you know, it's it's not just how many
2: people are we engaging, but how are we engaging them, and 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 what and i think that's the big cr- critical question right now and and i do think it's the sovereign hand of god like if you if you read the book of acts and you see generally how god mobilized the church was through crisis you know like right. if you if you, you <laughs> know right. acts chapter 2 happens and then it's like there's this beautiful thing at the end that says you know they added they added to their number daily and everyone loved the church and it's like and when, and, and you almost get to get this picture like it's, and they lived happily ever after but then yes after, right Chapter three: Great persecution comes upon them, yep. and it was that riots, yeah, and- that caused them to be like, "Oh, wait, maybe God's vision for the church is outside of Jerusalem. Maybe we need right. to rethink that. We can't just assemble uh, at the temple and then in each other's homes. Maybe we need to take this. There's a missional component. We need to take this to the ends of the earth." So, mm-hmm. I-, I think God uses these times to get us to reconfigure and and to look at. And so, I think this is why it's important to go back. And look at what mm. is the essence of Christian living. There's worship, mm. there's community, there's there's teaching and instruction, there's mission, there's there's charity, there's compassion. Like I think we need to just sort of put that out on the dashboard and say, like, like how are we engaging people in these things and, and assuming that, well, right now we don't have the option of saying Sunday's gonna Sunday's gonna handle eighty percent of this, which was a nice right. assumption anyway but i think now i think now we we have an opportunity and i'm just trying like every other church leader to be courageous in following this down the road um and Mm -hmm. and not you know the temptation i think is to to wait it out or to run back as soon as you know as soon as there's any light like we got people here in atlanta canada because our restrictions are a little different in different places and so we have some places right now as the time of this recording that can get 50 or a hundred people in a room and they're really working hard. And I know there's places in the States as well, like working really hard to kind of push back into that. And it almost, it feels like a bit of a letdown. And you wonder if, man, like if God's not trying to move forward and you're, you're, you're going back to, you, know, you get that picture of um in in after the resurrection I think it's in the Gospel of Luke where they come to the tomb and and the angel says why do you look for the living among the dead mm. you know we're mm. we as Christians are very prone to looking to where God last was instead right. of being with him where he is and where he's going and I think that's the big the familiarity is a big draw you know the the mm. certainty of yesterday is a big big gravitational pull and, uh, and that's the fight I'm fighting right now too it's just like no I can't I can't default to what I know. I need to kind of keep pressing forward.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, you know it's interesting you you referenced that uh, you know that piece of scripture because I was thinking recently about that the same point in the story where the disciples you know after the death of Jesus they're found back well doing what fishing again right, right. back to their kind yeah. of old life right and it and it's I was thinking wow like I wonder if that's a part of what's happening here this rush are our our, our I mean, internal drive is to just try to keep everything the same, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I just I'm going to go back to the default, um, yeah. rather than answer the question that God may be asking us now, which is like, hey, maybe maybe, maybe there's a new dream up over the horizon, yeah. and you know yeah, we've got to lean in on that, hold that dream high, right? Like, what a tragedy, and for
2: for us as leaders to hold that dream high and just be like, no, I'm not letting go of what's better just because of what's familiar, and like to to think right. if the disciples stayed fishing. And if, you know, the, if Jesus wasn't so gracious to come and say, Hey guys, uh, I got better for you, you know, Peter, forgive you. Let's go. Um, yes. you know, like he pushed them forward out of that comfort into something greater. And, and I think that's the hope of the season for us as church leaders is, Man, God is trying. God is not a taker; He's a giver. And if He takes something from you, it's to give you what's greater. Like uh, we use some language around here that that God God only takes things that take things from you, you know. And He and mm. he, he wants to give what's greater. And and I believe He's doing that in this season. If if He's making us reinvent church at some level in the twenty first century, I think He's it's because He's got something greater in mind. And I think we need to just. Fight for that and keep that, keep the kind of the glory and the win front and center to sort of let us step off of what's familiar because it is, it is, it's hard. It is just hard. It's exhausting to just, yeah, to 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 think forward into so much uncertainty.
0: Well, Brent, I so I, first of all, I just want to compliment you. I want to encourage you. It's, um, I think that's a lot for you to say as a person who you're clearly a gifted communicator. God clearly has used you. Uh, in pretty significant ways to, you know, stand up in front of a room of a thousand people and God uses that. And, um, you know, to hear you saying, um, like, hey, maybe there's a different way for us to do ministry going forward. Uh, this kind of changes the conversation a little bit, a different tack, but on the same question. How does that intersect with you as an individual? Because you're, um, you know, I, I understand the impulse to say, hey, let's just get back in a room somewhere so I can stand in front of you and talk at you because I'm good at that. Uh, but what I hear you saying is like, well, maybe there's something different in the future, and that might be a part of it, but isn't that's not the whole story. Where before that was a large part of the story. Um, how is that impacting you as a leader, as a, as an individual? Because again, God's yeah. clearly gifted you as a communicator; He's clearly using you uh, in that kind of environment. What, what's that doing on the inside to you? I, I think the challenge,
2: man, is such a such a perceptive question, Rich. And I think that's probably what every leader, at some level, maybe especially point leaders or people with platforms, um, maybe are even wrestling with it more. Is if you know, if God, if you if you cycle things around and you do something new and you change it, you know, there's that question, like, what about me? And what, what do I, what, what about, what, where am I going to land in this? And I think everybody at some level probably has those questions. And I, I, I've been doing a lot of long walks and a lot of talks, you know, just listening and trying to, trying to hear from God and specifically knowing, you know, for better and worse, God may me, you know, like uh, Enneagram three, right? Like the, the, the achiever, <laughs> I want to win. I want to win. I want to be significant. I want to be validated. I want to be vindicated. And I just, it drives me so much and having long walks with the Lord and just over and over rehearsing, like saying out loud, like God, um, you know, the, the glory I need is your glory, not, not Mm -hmm. adoration from other people or, you know, the success I need is yours. And like, just over and over rehearsing what I know to be biblically true. And at some levels in my life, very experientially true, even though right now it's, it's a bit of a wilderness season and you kind of are left wondering, like, am I ever going to feel that again? Am I ever going to, you know, is the, is the, the the ground the platform that's been built up underneath me is that going away and where am i going to land i think that's the big thing and i think you know honestly i think there's a there there really is um some shifts coming and i think that's the job of every believer to really you know it's like that galatians 2:20 thing you know i it's no longer i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but the life i now live in the body i live in in him and I think mm-hmm. I need to just continue to. Re- that's the only thing that can set me free. Otherwise, I'm just gonna. Some I'm gonna lead. I'm gonna lead in in a kind of a self preserving way, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's gonna be a huge potential snare for every leader. And so I I think the answer, you know, again, the answer is always you know go to Jesus. But it, but it really is. It's like I think we need to be set free from. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the need to, to strive or prove ourselves. We need to, we need to be set free from being the hero. Some of us, um, Mm -hmm. that's been that's honestly, that's been a hard thing for me, Rich, in the, in the region we're in, you know, we're a very abnormal church. There's, there's really never been a church like us in Atlantic Canada and we've led the way in a lot of things. And, you know, I've had to put to bed just with before the Lord multiple times, like almost the race to be the one to figure it out. You know, like oh yeah, right. We're gonna be the ones that figure out how to how to do this and we're gonna come back with the with the blueprint. And that's such a carnal thing when you think about it. And it's like just working with the Lord on identifying those thoughts, identifying those maybe carnal desires that are in or maybe they're God given desires that we're we're prone to fulfill the wrong way, um, that are at work in this season as well, and being aware of them so that it really can be God's kingdom that comes, and that it's Jesus that gets the glory, and He's the hero. Um, I think if we can if we can make that the vision, um, it really sets us free from having to to be afraid of this thing changing or that thing changing. Um, you know, real practical. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking through, you know, like in the past, you visited our church back in January. Like I, I would preach, mm-hmm. I would preach at one of our locations every time live, because it was like right. the, you know, the large, the original, the central campus. And that's mm-hmm. where like a, a huge portion of our church goes. And I'd kind of built up this expectation that Brent's going to come out here and stand on his head three times a weekend. And you can, come, <laughs> you can come and hear him. And like, I'm really battling with, you know, okay, when we come back into real services, into live mm-hmm. services, are you going to rebuild that old economy that right. dependent on your persona and your presence, or are you gonna keep this shift? And and I'm I'm actually gonna just you know, I'm already planning to, you know, go to this sort of pre-recorded. There's a teaching that goes out to our whole church once a week, and you know, making the point of the gathering about gathering together, not go where Pastor Brent, mm. is, that kind of thing. Right. So just some of those subtle shifts that really have personal implications because. I personally enjoy preaching to people. I like the feedback. I, you know, right. it's a, it's a real, it's a, if you don't think you are in a personal minefield right now, uh, wake up because <laughs> it's, it's, it really is right. You know, more, more so than ever, I think, at least for myself.
0: Right. Right. That's really great, Brent. I, I am um, as you can tell, listeners. Uh, Brent is a wealth of wisdom, and um, you know what a blessing this has been. Just a great conversation today. I want to encourage people to uh, connect with you if they want to kind of follow along with the story. I know we were just talking about your own platform yes. and what's the Lord doing that. Uh, you know, but what, uh, you know, how can people get connected with you or with the church? I, I really would love people to track along. I do think you're a leading church and a leading voice. It'd be a great church for people to connect with.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I pastor a church called King's Church, and you can find us online at kingschurch.cc. Um, find us on Facebook, all the all the social media platforms and stuff. And then uh, I did, I just launched, because again, I'm trying to make sure to to preserve my own self-worth. I just launched a Website? No, I'm just joking. I, I did launch a website, and uh, and um, it's brendingersal And I, I've started just doing some writing and uh, trying to, to to sort of mo- mobilize my people through a di- couple different forms. So we launched some blog entries, and I'm doing I'm experimenting with my own little podcast called the Speaking of Podcast. Uh, just having interesting conversations. There's, we haven't really picked a lane other than just having interesting conversations with people who are interesting. So. That's that's really been uh, that's what been what I, I'm up to, and that's where you can find it,
0: BrendanGersal.com. Perfect. I appreciate you being on the show today, Brent. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been fun, Rich. Thank you.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at Unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter